Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. A young boy from the city comes to grips with his identity when he's sent to live with his relatives on the Navajo Nation. That's the premise of the film Frybread Face and Me that's premiering this Friday at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin. It's a charming coming-of-age film that boasts a committed list of Native talent, including two young newcomers. We'll hear from some of the folks involved in the film coming up right after the news. National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Organizations supporting Native Americans' right to vote are working to educate people about the upcoming Wisconsin Supreme Court election. WXPR's Katie Thorson reports. Abortion access, voting districts, and voting rights are likely to come before the Wisconsin Supreme Court in the coming years. And while those issues impact everyone, they're more likely to disproportionately affect Native American communities, says Native American Rights Fund staff attorney Allison Nesswood. But she stresses that doesn't mean that all Native people feel the same way about each issue. But it means that they should have um, the same voice that other Americans or other Wisconsinites have in selecting you know, who makes the decisions on those issues. To that end, the Native American Rights Fund and the Wisconsin Native Vote Program are working to educate Native Americans on the Supreme Court, what's at stake, and making sure they know their voting rights. Nesswood is focused on educating people on the judicial system itself, like the oath Wisconsin judges take to administer justice with respect to persons, or essentially the concept of justice is blind. And this is a great concept. Um, but it's not always in line with how um, communities experience the court system. And so a couple examples of that, you know, um, evidence shows that even among people who commit crimes of similar severity, um, people of color are receiving longer sentences, more jail time um, than, than white folks. Wisconsin Native Vote Manager Dee Sweet wants to make sure Native Americans have all the information they need to make an educated vote. She says things like minimal or lack of broadband connectivity in rural reservations can be another barrier for Native Americans to exercise their right to vote. I'm not saying that they're, you know, left out of, you know, modern day society and the technology. They just don't have the kind of broadband or the kind of um, technology to support that. The Wisconsin Supreme Court justice election is April 4th. I'm Katie Thorson reporting. The U.S. Interior Department recently unveiled plans to bolster the number of wild bison herds across their native grasslands. Aaron Bolton has more. U.S. Interior Secretary Deb Holland announced the formation of a federal working group that will outline how the federal government can help tribes and conservation groups bolster herd numbers and gain training to manage herds. Holland also announced a $25 million investment to establish new herds, fund tribal bison transfers, and co-management of herds with tribes. 
The department currently manages 11,000 bison on public lands across 12 states. For National Native News, I'm Aaron Bolton. Tribal college and university students from across the country are preparing to take home awards. After three days of competing in more than 20 events, including archery, speech, chess, and hand games, more than 1,000 people gathered in Albuquerque, New Mexico this week for the 2023 American Indian Higher Education Consortium Conference. Student Joanna Cooley from Saginaw Chippewa Tribal College in Michigan spent time Monday presenting her scientific poster before judges students, and other AHEC attendees. Cooley says her poster describes how to decolonize diets and teach people how to preserve food from their gardens. So along with the gardening, we're also doing food preservation workshops and classes. We have a full state-of-the-art mobile food preservation kitchen that will be on site this spring so that community members and students can harvest their vegetables and go straight into the classroom and learn how to preserve them themselves. Cooley worked on her poster for about four to six weeks. Awards will be given out Tuesday night. There are more than 30 tribal colleges and universities across the country. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Support from AmeriCorps VISTA, whose members serve to alleviate poverty while earning money for college and gaining professional skills. Rewarding service opportunities can be found at A-M-E-R-I-C-O-R-P-S dot G-O-V slash V-I-S-T-A. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. 11-year-old Benny from San Diego plays with action figures and listens to Fleetwood Mac. His summer vacation plans are abruptly changed when he is sent to spend the summer with his Navajo grandmother in Arizona. There he makes a bond with his cousin Dawn, whose nickname is Frybreadface. Together they learn about themselves and their family history. That's the theme of Frybread Face and Me, a new independent film set to premiere at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas this Friday. There's a lot of native talent both behind and in front of the camera. That includes Martin Sensmeyer, well known for projects such as The Magnificent Seven, Wind River, Westworld, and Yellowstone. Kira Tallman plays Benny, and Charlie Hogan is Dawn, the two young protagonists. Today we'll speak with the film's writer and director and members of the cast. We also want to hear from you. Whether you're from the res or you're an urban native, this film is relatable on many levels. So join our conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also post a comment on our social media. Our Twitter handle is 1-800-99-NATIVE as well. Joining us now from Los Angeles, California, is Billy Luther. He is the writer and director for Fry Bread Face and Me. He is Navajo, Hopi, and Laguna Pueblo. Billy, welcome back to NAC. Hey, thanks for having me. 
Talking to us from Albuquerque, New Mexico, is Morningstar Angeline, who plays Anne in Fry Bread Face and Me. They are an actor and filmmaker. They are Navajo, Chippewa, Blackfeet, Shoshone, and Latinx. Morningstar, welcome back to NEC as well. Hi, Yate. Thanks for having me. And also in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is Nasheen Sleuth. She plays Aunt Sharon in Fry Bread Face and Me. You might also know her as Auntie Mayaja on TikTok. She's also a licensed mental health counselor. She is Danae. Nasheen, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thank you. Billy, let's start with you. I watched the screener of Fry Bread Face and Me last night. Congratulations. It is a wonderful, moving film. How much of it is autobiographical? <laughs> That's always the first question, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I it's it's all there's you know, there wasn't a scene that I wrote um that didn't have some sort of personal connection to my you know, my experience growing up. So, I mean, I did play with G.I. Joe dolls, you know, because my parents wouldn't buy me Barbie dolls. So I would play in the backyard, you know, uh, with soap operas with them. <laughs> my parents <laughs> thinking I was playing war in the back with my G.I. Joes, but no. Um, and, you know, it's just these aunties and uncles that came in out of my life, you know. Um, I grew up with my mother, um, you know, who has 10 brothers and sisters on the, on the Navajo Red. And so many different personalities and experiences. And, you know, I just had the story to tell. And it was something that I was so personal, but also, you know, just loosely based as well. You know, there wasn't a specific, you know, person in my life like Fry Bread Face, like Don, you know, but there, mm -hmm. it's like a, it's like a mesh of, 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 of a, a mix of, of different, different um, cousins. Well, tell us more about the setting, the landscape, the Hogan interiors, they're almost like characters in and of themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, um, we filmed this in Santa Fe, you know, um, during peak COVID time. So um, filming on the Navajo Reservation was not um, allowed for any production. So we, we filmed in Santa Fe, and uh, we found this plot of land that was bare, and we just turned it into Grandma's, grandma's Ranch. And let me tell you, we had some really great – uh, production designers and, um, you know, just the people that were there, you know, the PAs, everyone helped put this in. And there was a lot of Navajos on set, too, to say, hey, you know, this has to be here or this door can't face that direction. You know, so we were all pretty much vocal. And I think that's what was great about working on this kind of indie, indie set was everyone had their input on it. So it really had to be a character. I mean, that's what it was when I was growing up, going back to my grandmother's ranch, you know, it was such a place that was hers, but it was also just, it was a character. Well, you did a really good job of capturing the early 1990s, which is the setting of the film, right down to that beige Ford Fairmont that's focused on so prevalently throughout the film. Billy, where'd you pick up that little gem? Oh man, we had um, people, you know, in Santa Fe really looking for, you know, a lot of those cars didn't work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so we had, that was challenging some days, you know, but um, yeah, we just had a good team who really had an eye on, you know, that, that world because it was just coming out of the 80s, you know, it was set in 1990. So it really wasn't the full 90s yet. So it was just coming out of the 80s. So that kind of, that texture was really part of also, you know, as a character too. Well, those cars, they were everywhere back in the day, and they, they're not exactly like a car collector's classic, but 
uh, I, I mean, the movie really made me just want to step back in time 30 years and, and relive that period. You captured it so effectively. Yeah, I had to experience that, you know, but I also, um, you know, I couldn't have written this, this, this in my 20s, you know, right after film school. I needed those life experiences to happen within myself, you know, becoming a parent, um, you know, but just also as a storyteller, you know, I really had, I really wanted to craft something that was a tribute and an honor to the women who raised me and also to my grandmother. So it was, you know, it took me time for, um, for me to kind of really set this and say, okay, this is, this is the story I'm going to tell. And I took great responsibility in telling the story too. And, you know, my grandma was a huge inspiration in, 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 in my life. And she was a storyteller with her rugs. She was a weaver, you know, and, you know, she passed away, um, you know, just a, a, a month before we started filming this. So that was always with me, you know, having, having that, um, those memories and, I think, you know, Sarah Natani, who plays the grandmother, did a, an amazing job because she just is who she is. You know, she is a weaver, too. So I think that she really brought something extra special to this movie. Yeah, she definitely that that it's so authentic. There's just no mistaking, you know, who she is and, and what she represents. And also, Billy, the two child actors, Keir Tallman and Charlie Hogan, they are so good, just so good. I mean, they carry so many aspects of that film. I think one or both of them is in almost every scene. Where did you find those two? Yeah, we um, we got pretty um, lucky. I mean, we were trying to cast during pandemic, so that was really tough. So everything was Zoom. Um, so um, we worked with uh, Angelique Mitzunder, and she was just she had just finished casting the first season of Reservation Dogs, so she had her hand already kind of in this pot of you know new young talent, you know kids. And um, so we, you know, she really helped and, and find, you know, these two leads. And, you know, I think that was great. And what was really exciting about that was it was their first films, you know. And if you watch the film, you kind of were like, what? This is their first film? Especially, you know, mm -hmm. when I watch any of the emotional scenes or even the, the comedy, too. You know, you know, it's, it's the, com you know the comedic timing isn't always easy. But um, I think they got it. And I think, like, like you said... Mm -hmm. It was actually being on that set where you actually felt it was you were at home. And I think that was really, you know, a lot of our cast and crew could agree. Well, let's take a listen now. We have a clip from the film that we're going to play right now. This is a scene where the two adolescent cousins are getting to know each other for the first time. Here, Keir Tallman, who plays Benny, is playing with dolls outside when he is questioned by his cousin Don, a.k.a. Fry Breadface, played by Charlie Hogan. Why do you play with dolls? You speak English? I got in trouble playing with dolls one time. There were Hopi Kachina dolls, and I made them kiss. Are you Dine? What's your clan? Salt? Are you sure? Yeah, salt. Well, don't just say salt, say salt. I am a salt clan. Say Ashihe. I am Ashihe. Where are you from? San Diego. You live over there, Shamu? Shamu's there. Yeah. My dad's going to take me to see Shamu. Have you met Shamu? Many times. We have annual passes. What's an annual pass? You get to go to the park anytime you want. 
You get to see Shamu whenever you want? Yeah. You're a liar. I got things to do. That was a scene from the film Fry Bread Face and Me. <laughs> Billy, I mean, the way those two are able to elicit their emotions on screen, at times they're profound and introspective, and then other times they're just hilarious and so kid-like. And through it all, they're just so cute together. But I got to ask you, I mean, relying so much on inexperienced child actors, that seems like a big risk for a filmmaker. Did you ever have any doubts about that decision? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, they always tell you don't work with kids or, um, you know, animals, and we had to work with folks on this. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, we have uh, executive producer Taika Waititi, and a lot of his first films were with child actors. And so he wasn't just a producer on the project, but he was also, like, my kind of mentor or creative advisor. So he would sit down with me and talk to me about kids and how to direct them and, but also keep them, you know, fresh. You're not, you know, say, Hey, you got to do it this way, you know, or deliver the line that way. It's more of like them kind of taking the character and creating it for themselves because kids, you know, as an actor, you know, yeah, you're told, you know, your backstory, know this, but kids, they don't, they don't care about that. They don't even understand really um, what that means. But, I mean, so it was a big risk. I mean, any anytime you work with a kid who hasn't, you know, worked before. So, I mean, I just shaped, I hung out with them. That was the first thing I did when I first, when we first got to New Mexico to try to prep and rehearse for this. But I didn't want to go through any of the scenes. I just wanted to hang out with them. We went bowling. We went, you know, we went to, you know, eat together. I just wanted to see how they acted and interacted with each other and also mm -hmm. with me as an adult. We're going to have to take a break now, just a short break, though, and we will be right back with Billy Luther as well as some of the cast members from Fry Bread Face and Me. This film is premiering at South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas on Friday. We'll be right back. The Sand Creek Massacre in Colorado remains the deadliest day in Colorado history. The organizers of a new exhibition worked with the Cheyenne and Arapahoe tribes to develop an accurate and sensitive portrayal of the tragic event in 1864. We'll talk about what goes into recounting that day and how it's perceived nearly 160 years later. That's on the next Native America Calling. Good day. If you are 45 years or older, it may be time to talk with a healthcare professional about colon cancer screening. Medicare, Medicaid, and the Marketplace have you covered. For more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're speaking with the writer and director and cast members about a new film called Fry Bread Face and Me that premieres this Friday at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. You're invited to talk with our guest today as we learn more about the film. Our number to join the conversation, 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Morningstar Angeline is one of the actors in the film. Morningstar, you play Benny's mother. What drew you to that role? Um, you know, I think 
similar to what Billy said, the women within the story really jump off the page. And when I first read the script, it was really her and Nasheen's characters that I was just immediately in love with. Um, and I think the thing about Anne is she just resembles so many Native women, Indigenous women I know, in that they are constantly trying to take care of others. Um, they are constantly kind of leading with the care, with the concern, especially for their children, for example. So I think it was also really her her devotion to her son and then also her kind of needing to discover how to rebuild her life, like, you know, all the struggles she's dealing with behind the scenes. And I really liked that. We got a taste of that, but really it's the kid's story. Because, um, you know, I see myself so much in Benny. I see so much of myself in Fry Bread Face and that dynamic of going back to the res and kind of feeling as if you're a stranger in your own community. I was taken to L.A. when I was in fourth grade and so very similar to Benny's situation of you know still wanting to be tied to his community but not quite sure how especially at that young age. Morningstar you mentioned how the emphasis is on the kids and and I think it's interesting to point out that your character doesn't have a lot of scenes you're you're in the beginning of the film and then you reappear at the end and I want to ask you when you're in a movie and you don't have a lot of scenes do, do you put a little extra into those scenes that you have or do you do you really want to really focus on on that character to make sure that those scenes that you are in are as impactful as possible? Definitely. I mean, you kind of, I since I do directing as well, I'm definitely looking at the big picture of how can I hit, you know, because more or less you're kind of the punctuation, you know, that's how I kind of see Anne in this film. You know, she starts it out and then she kind of ends it. And so making sure to hit those notes and, of course, trusting Billy to tell me what his personal take is on those punctuations. But definitely doing that and um, just wanting to make sure that since we don't see her a lot, making sure that she feels fully human, that we don't villainize her for leaving her son or or anything like that, that we fully can take her in flaws and, and all. Morningstar, you've built up a really impressive resume over the last few years. I remember seeing you in, uh, in Drunk Town's Finest, uh, which was set in Gallup, New Mexico, a few years ago. And um, working with other Native actors, Native talent, also behind the screens, you know, behind the camera talent. How important is that for you as a Native actor to, to have these, these projects that are just so Indigenous-led? I mean, this could this could turn into an hour long, clearly, <laughs> just me <laughs> blabbing on and on. Um, you know, I think the most, um, the biggest giving to that moment when you're on set and you're seeing Indigenous people in front and behind is your guard goes down a little bit. You know, you're not worrying about protecting your spirit constantly. You're not worried about protecting your artistry. You feel like you can kind of, sink in and really um, feel comfortable in a space. And I think, you know, us as actors, we're, we're, our job is to show up and deliver the goods no matter what. But of course, it's going to be easier when you see yourself, you see your community around you, so you can feel more comfortable, you can deliver the performance that ultimately you want to give. Um, so that is just super important. I mean, I remember when we were getting ready to finish Fry Bread Face, I was getting ready to go off to shoot Westworld. And I remember just feeling so grounded from the experience on Fry Bread Face where I felt no insecurities, no nothing about going to a, this bigger production in terms of 
it's going to be in L.A., it's going to be, you know, not Native Indigenous people on set. And so I just remember sitting with that a bit on the last day of filming for me, where I just took it in, I looked around, and I thought, you know, this is what grounds me. This is what keeps me able to go do all these other projects that have nothing to do with my indigeneity. I know you've worked with Martin Sensmeyer before. He's an Alaska Native actor, but boy, he makes a really good Navajo cowboy as Uncle Marvin. Very believable. And I also thought he was one of the most thought-provoking characters in the film. And were you guys actually on set together? Because I know you had different scenes. We were. Um, we had a few days of overlap. And, you know, it's always nice to see so many of us Indigenous actors constantly run into each other. I think he's one of the only ones that hasn't played my husband yet. So <laughs> that's always funny. Um, but, you know, it's always great to work with him. And I just feel like even though you don't have scenes together, you certainly talk about the story together. And we had um, a couple moments where we're kind of in the same vicinity in a scene. And you just, irregardless of if you're in a scene together, you're still feeding off each other's energy. You're still able to kind of get a bigger piece of the moving film as opposed to just your scenes. And that's super important. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we need to talk to your agent and, and get you cast uh, as a romantic lead with Martin Sensmeyer, Morningstar. I don't know. Maybe that's... Don't, don't be saying I started that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I won't. I won't. But, you know, I mean, going back to the film, some of the scenes that, that I, I really found poignant were just depicting daily life, you know, washing hair, mending fences, and and they're captured in a way that, that fascinates the viewer and made the film so authentic. What do you really want audiences to take away from this movie when they go see it? I mean, exactly what you said. You know, what I loved about the film is it just felt like a slice of life. You know, it didn't feel like we were trying to explain our daily life to non-natives. It felt like a story where it's just, here is, you know, these indigenous native characters living and going through hurt and going through heartache and going through very funny moments as well. And I think that to me is the thing of, we always talk about resiliency and the strength and those things are so important, but so is this like grace of just existing and just letting things kind of happen and how they react and how family comes together. It's not always these huge gestures. And I think a lot of this film lives in the small moments as does our normal life. We're talking about this new film, Fry Bread Face and Me. On our show today, we have Billy Luther, writer and director. We have Morningstar Angeline, one of the actors, as well as Nasheen Sleuth, who's one of the actors as well. If you would like to ask a question of any of these actors or any of these uh, folks involved with the film, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. That number again, 1-800-996-2848. Talk with somebody from the movie. Frybird Facing Me on Native America Calling today. And uh, I'd like to pivot now to Nasheen. And again, Nasheen Sleuth, she plays Aunt Sharon in Frybread Facing Me. Nasheen, I, I loved your character's big hair with that 1990s perm. Did it help add a little old school Navajo sass to the role? Absolutely. That was, um, that was a, a good um, throwback to the hair back then because my mom had that same haircut um, back back at that time so I kind of I, I, that just added a little bit more to the character 
I remember those haircuts really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, were, they were everywhere for sure. And I mean, that was just such a, your, your character um, was so funny. And then of course you, uh, you and Jeremiah Bitsui are, are a couple in that. And how was it working with Jeremiah? Cause I know he's been involved in a lot of projects. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And um, it was, it was just like being with family the whole time I felt, that way with all of um, the other talent that was there. And it was just a lot of fun. Now, you're known as, as anti-Mayaja, and uh, you have a huge TikTok following. You've got a strong social media presence. And how much of, of that anti-Mayaja persona is, is exemplified in this Aunt Sharon character in the movie? Yeah, so I, I this Aunt, Aunt Sharon is sort of a, a variation of that um, character that I created on, on TikTok. And um, she's uh, just that unfiltered, tough, kind of just res ante that um, <laughs> a lot of people could relate to and have um, that, that character or that family member who is similar as, as she is. Yeah, the res ante for sure. And I, I find it so fascinating as well and inspiring that you're a licensed mental health counselor. And um, how, do, how do you draw from that while you're acting or even this role as Auntie Sharon? Did, did that influence how you approach that role? Well, I mean, we we all have um, family members and I'm, I'm talking towards like not native or even just more specifically Diné families, we have all of these different uh, dynamics within our families. And, um, and what it comes down to is that connection and how we, how we connect with each other. And that's, that's important for mental health. Um, and so, I mean, just being a part of that production, that was, that was like a sense of, of care that, that we talk that we hear about self care and taking care of yourself so family is part of that being connected um, to other people who are like us and then the film having uh having native actors native talent there on the big screen it gives it 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 ascends to all parts of our community and and even further so i think that it's all part of the healing process that we're that we're all wanting and yearning and going through right now. Now, Sheen, is this your first film or have you worked on other movies before? Uh, well, this was my first, um, my first larger project being a part of. I've been a part of smaller productions, uh, commercials and such um, in the past. Uh, so this was, this was a, um, this was just an honor to be a part of. It was uh, to hear the story, to read the script, to be able to give um, a part of my experience to this this um, production. It was just, it was pretty mag- magical. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you did a fantastic job. And um, again, your character, Aunt Sharon and, and Frybird facing me, just uh, <laughs> very, very compelling. I think we can just... Your character is so relatable because I think so many of us know people like uh, like Aunt Sharon or, or have met people like that in the past. And uh, 
And again, I just love that hair. Was that a wig or did you actually cut your hair for that and get a perm? <laughs> yeah, that was a wig. Okay. That was a wig that, <laughs> that, um, that we got. So I didn't have to, um, to cut my own hair, but, um, like just, just aside from, from that character, also my character that I have on TikTok, I also wear a wig. So it was kind of like that transformation in a sense of like being it, being that character, being Aunt Sharon was, was part of that, her hair or the way she dressed, the way that, um, she interacted with, um, with the other, with her other family members and coming back, um, or visiting, uh, on the reservation, uh, back to her mom's and, um, Aunt Sharon is the the middle child, and she's you know I think that a lot of times the middle child kind of gets forgotten, so she's always trying to be louder and bigger and more like she wants to be seen. Um, and coming back home with this new baby, um, she's she's getting that that attention that she's that she was wanting um, through this through that um, visit that she has. Well, speaking of your character's baby, uh, another pivotal moment in the movie is the first laugh ceremony for for your child. And and tell us a little bit about that. What was that like filming that scene? I mean, that was that was so everything just fell into place. I think that um, everyone who was on set had, um, or many of us had experienced this in our our life, our lifetime, or have been to last ceremonies where um, the child is celebrated um, in this new transition and, and transitioning into being like it's it's said that when um, when a lot when the baby laughs for the first time it's they're they're accepting to be in this world they're accepting to be a part of the family they're accepting to be um, a family member or, or human and um, I think that that part of the story um, also just many Native people can relate to celebrating an, a child, a newborn, when they're mm-hmm. going through all of these different stages. Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to pivot back to, to Billy. And Billy, I want to ask you, because there are quite a few films nowadays that are set on the Navajo Nation with Navajo cast speaking Navajo language and such. And I want to ask you, what do you think it is about Fry Bread Face and Me that's going to be different than, than you know, some of these other films that have come out in the last few years, which are, most of them are all really good, but, but how is your yeah. film different? You know, I, um, it's a coming-of-age story, you know? It's a, it's a story about family, you know? Um, there's it's a really a celebration of youth and a time in, in our lives that, you know, we kind of remember. We all have that, that summer that we remember, and that's pretty universal, you know. Um, but I think it's, you know, the family dynamics. I think it's all these things that we just talked about with Morningstar and Nasheen is these these characters. They are so, so powerful in the scenes that they're in. I mean, Anne, I mean, the beginning of the end, like, that's her connection is with Benny. And I think that's so strong and so there. And, you know, Aunt Sharon, Uncle Roger coming to, you know, the Rev, Auntie, and Uncle, I mean, it just completely shifts the vibe of the film. So these characters really are something that I want, you know, people to walk away from. And I think that that, you know, not you haven't seen, you know, Native, you know, characters like this, you know. Um, 
to its extent, because sometimes we go far, you know, in the humor, and then, you know, there's also moving moments. So it's this kind of emotional journey that I think um, that we can, you know, in the story that we're telling. Yeah, that balance. It, 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 you really do do a, a good job of, of striking that balance really well of, of humor and, and seriousness. And we are going to have to take a break in about another minute, Billy. But I want to ask you quickly, how long were you folks on set? How long did it take to film the whole movie? Um, I was in New Mexico for three months. We filmed for about um, uh, like five weeks, five weeks. And um, yeah, it was it was tough, you know, <laughs> it was a summer. So the, 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 the weather was, you know, just changed every day. So we had to move things around. Um, but man, it was it was intense. It was an intense shoot. I mean, COVID, like I said, was at its peak. And but we just all made it. We all made it work. All of us. It's not just me. It, everyone made it work. We had a great crew. Great crew. Yeah. The film is Fry Bread Face and Me, and we're learning all about it today on Native America Calling. And if you have a question for any of our guests today who were part of this exciting project, what are you waiting for? Our phone lines are open, so give us a call. We'll get you right through on the air. Your comments, your questions. Phone number one eight hundred nine nine six two eight four eight. Once again, that number, 1-800-996-2848. Give us a call. This Easter, you can find truly unique gifts and menu items from SweetgrassTradingCo.com, a Ho-Chunk Inc. company, where you can choose from a variety of food, beauty, and wellness items from tribes across Turtle Island. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean and Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about the new film, Frybread Face and Me. It's a film with powerful Native themes, strong representation from Native talent, and a distinctly early 1990s vibe. You can join our conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. And we've got a caller on the line right now, Goldie, listening on station KGLP in Gallup, New Mexico. Hello, Goldie. Hello. Goldie, I understand you worked on the film a little bit. You were in the crew? Yes, I was. Um, I did hair. I was doing makeup, but I also did um, some hair because the uh, hairstylist on set um, was struggling with Navajo TF. So I stepped in and helped out with hair. Well, did you help out with uh, Auntie Sharon's uh, big curly do there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I had to hold it a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> to get it on. <laughs> Right on. Well, tell us what else you enjoyed about working on the film. I think what was really great was just uh, seeing um, the Native crew and the Native talent on set. Um, you know, it's just like a majority of Native crew and talent on set, and I think that that's awesome. Um, so, you know, there's this big uprising of, like, Native talent on screen, but also, like, I kind of feel like you know, Native crew also kind of takes the back burner of that. Um, we're not really talked about. I mean, just because I've worked in crew for quite a bit of years, and um, I, I don't know, in my industry, I just kind of feel like I always get overlooked. So I think it was awesome to see a lot of very talented um, Native crew 
people on set and um, just being able to relate to the story and to one another and, you know, just having a good time. So I, I really enjoyed that part of it. Goldie, thank you so much for calling in today and sharing your experience working on the set. And I want to ask Morningstar to comment. Morningstar, um, do you, uh, does there need to be a little bit more love displayed towards folks like Goldie who are working behind the scenes and hair and makeup, wardrobe, some of these other roles? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the the attraction to film is first actor because that's the first thing you see or director because that's, you know, someone who gets a lot of props or a camera person. But there's so, so many other ways to be involved with film that are artistic or non-artistic. You know, like Goldie does makeup. We need so many more of those. I mean, so many times I get in the makeup chair or the hair chair and they have a totally different idea that is far less authentic than I know a native hair person would have. So like I said, it, it enables the actor to come and do their work rather than having to fight um, for proper representation. So I think whether it's makeup, hair, or someone who's, you know, painting the sets, anything like that, it all helps it all feel more authentic and, you know, cared for. Phone lines are still open. If anyone else has a question for our guest today, 1-800-996-2848. Billy, I, I want to ask you about the writing process. I mean, how long did that take to get the whole script together and just get all your themes and all of those working parts right where they needed to be? Yeah, I, it was probably like a total of about six years, you know? Um, Probably like, yeah, about I, I, probably four years I started writing it. And then, in, you know, within four years I was filming it. So I've been with this project for about six, six years now. Um, you know, it started out with a scene. I had this scene in, in my head, you know, it was washing the hair, like you said, um, grandma washing Benny's hair. And then from there, I just started kind of like, we're just writing scenes. And, and, and then, you know, you, you think, okay, w one day I'm going to get sit down and put these all together into a film, you know? Um, and that's how that, this works. It doesn't always work that way, but for me, this time it worked. You know, my background has been in documentaries. So this was my first feature that I wrote and directed. So, you know, the way we approached it in when we we're filming was kind of like a documentary, you know, especially when we we're filming the grandmother, you know, um, she, we just followed her. The camera was with her, whether she was weaving or washing hair. And I love that because we weren't just giving her, you know, we weren't on, you know, sticks on, you know, um, just pointing a camera at her. It was just very fluid. So, you know, I, you know, and then when you write, you know, things change when you're on set. Um, you kind of get another idea. Oh, chart changes line. And, and I thought the actors were really flexible and, and, and really, you know, adapted to all of that. But going back to what Goldie said, I think that's so important. I mean, we had a great camera crew. We had uh, Ryan B. Gay, who wasn't only on the camera, but he was also in the film. Um, Navajo, uh, Natalie Benali, she was, you know, working with the art department, making sure that trailer looked legit, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, cowboys framed on the wall and, you know, Navajo Nation fair poster on the wall. She made sure that that, that was like it felt, and especially in the Hogan. So, it's important, and and I and and what Morningstar said too is like you know you think about you know going into film and all the flashy parts, but what really we need, and I'm realizing is now that I'm working more in the business, is we need more native editors. We need them to be in the editing chairs because 
sometimes they don't get the nuances that are in, you know, a film, you know, um, a Navajo film or a native film. And I think that's real, um, the, the non-natives who are editing. So I think it's really important that we kind of go out and really look for editors, you know, camera, um, you know, script supervisors, we, you know, wardrobe, makeup. It's so, so, so important. Really glad you point that out. Just it takes so many people to, to make a successful movie like you've done and, and to give props to all those other people that are involved. And as we've mentioned, Billy, the movie very much plays on the strength of, of Native women and, and especially the grandmother who's played so well by Sarah Natani. I mean, her character, it, she almost exudes like this magical quality about her that's really compelling. Um, however, I, I will say, I will say, Billy, that there wasn't much in the way of positive male role models in the film. And I'm wondering, was that intentional? Well, this is a home that was led by women, you know. Um, a lot of the kind of, you know, um, what I felt was, you know, this is Benny's, um, this is Benny's story through his world, through his eyes, you know, and I wasn't going to write, you know, male characters just for the sake of having more males, but, you know, on this, on the res is this uncle, you know, his, um, his tough uncle, you know, um, and that was just, you know, what I, you know, what I created in, in terms of Benny's story, um, I'm sure there'll be a film that I'll come out with later that I'll have more men. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I, and I think, you know, it's really, this is a, a tribute to women. And, um, and if people feel that, then I, I don't know what to say about that, but, you know, I, I feel that that was, you know, never the intention. It was always to show. And I think Benny is a great role model for men. That is true. That is true. He's young, but, but he's definitely a role model as well. I'm glad you point that out. And, you know, when you say earlier, it took you six years to put this all together. And all I can do is I'm just thinking, what is going on in Billy Luther's mind right now that we're going to see in six years and it's going to blow us all away? So I am, I am waiting uh, eagerly uh, for these, these pr future projects that will come up. And, Billy, I also want to talk to you a little bit and, and ask you about the dreams in the film, because they incorporate a lot of significance as well. And can you talk about how you work those into the plot? Yeah, those dreams, you know, he, he, Benny is so upset because he's missing the Fleetwood Mac concert that he saved his money for, you know, and he's shipped off to the Navajo Res where it has no electricity, no running water. And he is, you know, is forced to give up that dream. So, um, he, you know, when he's on the res, I mean, you don't have television, you know, you don't have all the things that you do, you know, the Nintendos and, and, and MTV that you had back in the city. So, you know, I guess his, his moments were, you know, at nighttime where he could dream. And that was kind of his kind of entertainment, but also kind of an, an under deeper understanding of who he, who he is. And because um, really, I think this, this is a film about identity, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a film, you know, that I think that will resonate with not only, you know, natives, but non-natives as well. You know, I think whenever you have, uh, you know, um, another language that isn't English in your culture and family, and once you don't understand or don't speak or, you know, lose some of it, I think that bring, brings some shift and change into the dynamics of family. So, um, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it goes back to identity. So I think that these kind of things kind of weave through the story and he's, you know, we're, we're, we're going through this world through Benny's eyes and his, and his, um, you know, and I think that is the, the journey that the audience goes on. 
Well, back to Morningstar. And as we've mentioned, Morningstar, you've been in a lot of projects now. And at this point in your career, what are you really looking for in these acting roles that you choose? You know, it. I think it comes down to just something new. Um, I think for a lot of Native Indigenous actors, for so long, our, our our projects or the roles that were kind of offered or that are available are very trauma-driven. And I think that that's been kind of my desire in the last few years is to get into more comedy, whether I'm writing it or starring in it. Um, that's just really important. And I think also, you know, hopefully given given some time to really dive into a character, I think so often um, we're just kind of given glimpses of these people. And so I think finding something that really gives especially me, I identify as a non-binary, I identify as a woman, um, in terms of the roles that I've kind of taken on and, and how they relate to me personally. So I think, you know, just looking for authenticity, the kind that you see in Fry Bread Face and Me, um, which is, is very rare. So again, it just speaks to more Native writers, more Native editors, all the things that we've been saying. And Nasheen, uh, can we hope to see you in future projects? I, I would hope so. You know, this is this is something that is um, it was a it was an opportunity that I kind of took on, and um, Billy reached out to me, found me on social media, um, and I'm just I'm just looking forward to more opportunities from this, um, and and celebrate what we all created together. Now, you've got. A lot of different aspects of, of what you do. I know I, I saw you in like a public service announcement for a Native American scholarship program. And I mean, you just are doing a, a lot of different things. And are you, are you kind of focused more on, on that side of it? Or are you interested more in, in the acting side? What, what, what's your, your, your goal? Well, I think that I'm open to it all. I, I, I've been doing um, the PSAs um, for various organizations um, just to be a voice and, and amplify, amplify our voice and be seen and heard. Uh, so I, I just want to be a part of this movement that's, that's been um, very powerful recently in the, in the last few years. And these organizations that you partner with, because um, I know some of these videos, you, you portray uh, anti-Mayaja, and what's the response like? I mean, are, are they happy with the results? Are people connecting with those videos? Uh, well, it, it is a different different way to um, put out information. So, um, you know, I think that it's more captivating to have some sort of um, familiar character because most of the most of the time, when people see those PSAs, they've seen the character on TikTok or on Facebook or wherever they've um, watched it. And it's just another way of communicating information that's much needed out in our communities. Mm. And Billy, uh, the screening, the film festival this week in Austin, Texas, uh, who all from the film will be there? I think everyone's going to be there. I hope everyone's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to see it on this big screen. You know, um, we were lucky enough. We had so much support from the Sundance Institute Film Independent. We we mixed the film at Skywalker Sound, which was incredible. Um, and we also, um, you know, did our color or post-production at 
um, picture shop where they do these big, you know, big films. Um, so um, we had a really small budget, but many people came in. So many producers came in to help. And, you know, I can't, you know, watch this and think, oh, this is just my, me. And, and I, I see so much love that people put in. So I think that, you know, I, that's why I want people to see it in the theater together and to hear the response, the laughter, you know, there's going to be tears, the tears, you know. So I think that that's what I really, I'm looking, really looking forward to and celebrating with everybody. In Morningstar, uh, any future projects you'd like to share with us today on the air? Um, I am just getting ready to begin filming Outer Range, which I'm, really happy about um that's on amazon prime and then currently just rewriting my feature script uh that i am putting through the rain and grant so just working on those things and hopefully we'll be talking about that film on here you know next year or two <laughs> and for listeners that want to follow you where do they go um i am just on instagram nowhere else really and that's going to be um 1942 morning star Nasheen, how about you? Where can we find Auntie Mayaja? Uh, on TikTok at Forward Light and on Instagram um, at Forward Light Sleuth. And Billy, sadly, not everybody's going to be able to go out to Austin, Texas to, to watch the, the big premiere. But uh, where can our listeners go to learn more about this new film, Frybird Face and Me? Yeah, right now, um, my my social is only uh, right now handling the film until we find a buyer. That's kind of like why we go to festivals so you can hopefully get a distributor. So we're hoping to get something because I really want the community to see this and, you know, soon because I think they're just going to love it. Well, I think uh, you might be right there, Billy. This is uh, really is a groundbreaking film, and I want to congratulate all of you today for this really extraordinary project and, and taking the time to share it with us today and, and fill us in on all these little details of what it went. I went, went into making that film, Fry Bread Face and Me. We do have to wrap up now, but big thanks to Billy Luther, Morningstar Angeline, and Nasheen Sleuth for joining us today. We're back again tomorrow with another live show. I'll be talking with some of the organizers of a continuing exhibition about the Sand Creek Massacre at History Colorado. I hope we can talk again then. I'm Sean Spruce. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation. 
and native nonprofit media organizations. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.